0: What's up everyone and welcome to episode 80 of the Justin Inside podcast, a show where I, Tim Birkbeck, talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. God, 80 episodes, we're nearly at 100, I know I keep banging on about it, but I can't believe in nearly two years that this show's sort of still persevering and and going strong and you guys are still listening, so thank you very much once again, I uh, hope everyone is well as always. Um, and getting prepared for for the winter weather that seems to be coming here in the UK. Had some nuts sort of wind storm, not really a storm, but high winds. And why am I giving you a weather report? Well, uh, anyway, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I know I've mentioned it a couple of times. We're heading towards episode one hundred. I literally mentioned it two seconds ago. Um, but the more astute of you might have noticed that there's been a couple of changes on our social media. Um, platforms got a new logo courtesy of uh, orange hedger illustrations aka my brother um, and yeah I'm just kind of looking to, to change things up a little bit going into the second 100 lot of episodes potentially um, one thing that I'm looking to introduce is a little news segment at the top of each show uh, which the very first of that will be coming to you momentarily um, but yeah, keep an eye on on all the social media platforms. Um, hopefully, got a lot of exciting things coming, and hopefully, stuff that you guys will will dig. Um, in terms of my week last week, pretty boring. Didn't really do a whole lot, but I got a few exciting things coming up uh, this uh, later this week. Uh, so on Thursday, I will be going to see the Dirty Nil and the winter Passing at the Joiners. I've um, got to be honest, I'm not a massive Dirty Nil fan but The Winter Passing is a band that I've wanted to see for ages. Uh, they're, both of their records I fucking love, so really excited about that one. Uh, and then on Saturday, I'm travelling up to Nottingham for Let It Die's final show, uh, which is quite sad, because uh, if you guys listen to the the Let It Die episode of this show, you'll know that I put on their very first gig here in Portsmouth, so I thought I have to bookend it, so we'll be going up there to, to, to send them guys off. Um which i think is going to be a bit of a wild one so yeah looking forward to that and then rounding off the week i will be in bristol for uh death heaven show uh so yeah really look at three three gigs this week which which is nice and yeah um might squeeze a couple of podcast recordings in there maybe not necessarily the gig we'll wait and see what happens if all things pan out right Let's get into this news segment that I'm talking about. So each week I want to give you a few, a few little nuggets that I think people will be interested in, people may not know, um, and just stuff that I want to kind of, that I think is pretty cool and want to share with you. So uh, I'm going to be starting off with uh, the band Pin or Pine. I, I can never remember how you say it. Uh, but their debut full-length uh, loss is going to be coming out on Holy Royal Records uh literally the day of the, me recording this, so Monday, um, they released uh, the video for the song Distress. Uh, the video is an hour-long sort of visual film, which is just on a constant loop. Um, there's a website, which I can't remember the name off of the top of my head, but I will put a link in the description. It basically goes to that website, and it's just this this film on a loop. Um, and the song is kind of buried within that film. So it's quite an interesting artistic taken they're a band that are doing sort of unusual and interesting stuff within the the heavy music world so definitely a band that is is worth your time um, and as i say we'll put the the link in there um we started off in the uk so i'm going to go across the atlantic to to the us for my second little nugget um, and it is a release that i'm so excited for uh, so this Friday, Triple B Records will be putting out Candy's debut full full length. Uh, good to feel. Um, if it's anything to go by, the title track, which they released, is absolutely killer. So the rest of the record is just going to be sort of yeah, balls to the wall, fucking incredible. So really, really excited about that. Um, in their sort of like press statement, it says like. It covers everything from sort of environmental devastation, police violence, politics, political corruption, sorry, um, along with sort of all the human experiences that we all go through. Um, <laughs> and it just says this is a demonstration of that it's good to feel. Uh, so, yeah, that album, I think, is going to be a landmark for sort of Hardcore and Soothe 2018, which has already had a fucking incredible year. There's been, I've literally been trying to... As we're sort of getting nearer the end of the year, I've been trying to sort of narrow down my, my records of the year, but there's just been so many good records this year it's in hardcore just alone. So that's going to be a difficult one when when I get round to December time. Um, we'll come back to the UK shores. Uh, indie rock seven piece. I told you I'd eat you. Uh, have announced that they will be releasing their debut full length as well. Um, the album's called Odeirism. Uh, it'll be put all, out on Alka Records and Failure by Design Records uh, the band have just released the first single of it which is titled Gold Rush uh, the record is about the vocalist sort of being feeling like he's stuck within his body um, it's a cool little track maybe not the best I've heard from the band but they're a band I really enjoy and they they do something quite different in that sort of twinkly, emo, indie sort of scene so and I've, I've been dying for a full length from them for for quite a while so that one is coming out on november 16th so a bit more of a wait for that one but they have just announced it so i thought I'd, I'd share that little one with you um and finally on the news items uh a band that i've been waiting to see for ages and i might finally be able to do it uh, old man gloom as well as cave in have been announced for next year's road band festival over in holland um, it happens near my 30th birthday so if anyone so wishes to party with me on my 30th bear in mind I'm straight edge so won't be partying that hard um, it would be cool to see some people but yeah I'm looking to go to Roadburn for my 30th uh, but the other th- reason I mention this is because tickets actually go on sale October 4th so people who are interested in Roadburn, it's a really cool lineup, not just with in and Old Man Gloom, it's really eclectic sort of branch across the whole of sort of metal and hardcore and experimental heavy music so yeah go go on their website and check out the full lineup and get your tickets come october 4th um right end of the news let's get into this week's guest uh and i'm joined by mario Contero of the band spotlights uh i recorded this one a little while ago uh, it was just after the band released their new record hanging by faith um It kind of got lost in... Well, not lost, because obviously we're here now, but it got pushed to the back of things because of uh, festival season. So I had to get all those episodes out, and then obviously I went away to fluff. Uh, So it did get put on the back burner a little bit. So Mario, I do apologise for that, but here we are. Um, We discuss how sort of each Spotlight Records that has come out is completely different from the last um, and how they've kind of changed their soundscape from each record uh we talk about sort of how mario needed to to get out of um living in miami where he grew up to sort of pursue music and sort of music engineering which he does as as a job um obviously working with his wife sarah in the band um and just sort of how how spotlights has has evolved and how it's kind of picked up momentum as well so yeah uh please sit back enjoy the chat i have with mario and I'll see you on the other side. Uh, joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is guitarist, vocalist, multi-instrumentalist of the band Spotlights, Mario Quintero. Mario, thank you very much for taking some time out on your Saturday afternoon. How are you doing?
1: Hey, good, good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me,
0: Tim. Yeah, really good, thank you. Um, as I briefly mentioned before, I kind of hit the record button. The show's called Just an Insight, so we look at the sort of what sort of molds the musicians that we have on on the show. So the question that I always like to start with is kind of what was your introduction to alternative music?
1: Hmm. Let's see. Well, it kind of started, I guess, more through uh, through progressive music, like in the '80s when I was young, when I was maybe like 10 or 11. Right. Uh, I had older sisters, and, you know, I would go into their bedrooms and steal their tapes and whatnot.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, it started kind of with bands like
1: The Cure and Depeche Mode, and uh, slowly I started finding my own things that I liked and making some friends, and uh, made my way more towards, like, hardcore music okay. uh, and kind of, like, heavier stuff. You know, and there was always stuff that was on the radio and whatnot uh, pulling you in all directions, but... Um, yeah, that was kind of where the beginning started. So we started getting records here and there.
0: What were those kind of like earlier bands that you were kind of, you mentioned like Depeche Mode, but sort of the the heavier end of things. What were you kind of listening to?
1: Um, stuff like Bad Brains and, uh, you know, that kind of fell into Fugazi. But it was always mixed in with, with different things like, you know, Jane's Addiction, uh, early Jane's Addiction. And, uh, and there was... You know, a lot of just random, a lot of local hardcore bands in Miami where I grew up, too, that, you know, I had a friend that used to take me to shows. He was older and had a car. Mm. And uh, he would take me to, like, local hardcore shows. So I saw um, a lot of, really, the only bands that would tour all the way down to Miami were, like, smaller hardcore bands, like, from Boston and New York. And uh, some were basically nameless. And uh, <laughs> a, couple, a couple I remember, like, Born Against and Instead, And, uh man i don't know there's a lot of them bloodlet was you know i think they're still around even <laughs> snap case <laughs> oh. so, um
0: so what was kind of the uh,
1: morphed into listening to helmet
0: oh okay sorry go ahead no i was just gonna say because obviously it sounds like there was quite a sort of eclectic sort of things that you were listening to so was it kind of that sort of range of things. Did, did was there always that feel of that you wanted to to have a go at playing music live, or how, how did you kind of kind of fall into actually picking up an in- instrument yourself?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, it, all that started right around the same time. I started playing guitar when I was eleven years old, um, and really that's how I started getting into certain kinds of music. Like I would try and learn a song. You know here and there and I don't know uh, as soon as I pretty much as soon as I started playing a guitar I just kind of connected with it and really knew that it was something that I always wanted to do I didn't know really in what capacity yet but uh, maybe a year or two into it I was pretty sure that I would be doing that for the rest of my life <laughs> <Yeah>. somehow <laughs>
0: so so was the guitar always kind of the the instrument of choice because i think a lot of musicians maybe sort of play around in in the early days trying to figure things out but were you always drawn to the guitar
1: i was and i mean it was kind of by default i think that's what was there my my parents had a guitar laying around and uh you know when i went to go take lessons i didn't really even know what i was doing i my my mom was like right well you have to take a lesson see if you actually like it and then you know, we'll see what happens, Mm. Um, and I went in there, and I was like, I I want to play bass guitar, and I didn't even know what it was, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so I took a bass lesson, and then came home and realized that wasn't the instrument that I was actually trying to play, Uh, and uh, I don't know, little by little, I just, I actually went with the guitar more,
0: Um, yeah. So what were your kind of early sort of sort of experiences of, of playing music live like like what was sort of were you forming bands quite because as you say playing guitar from the age of 11 when did you start of start actually sort of looking to form bands playing music live yourself
1: um it seems like you're breaking up a little but um i think uh i had a friend that lived across the street from me and we were probably like 12 or 13 started yeah. messing around together he had a room with like a you know little setup and drum a drum kit and uh you know we would just kind of switch around instruments and <clears throat> um i kind of started playing drums a little bit then uh and I, I guess the first band you know quote-unquote band
0: we had we were probably about 15 mm. and you know i think we
1: we played a, a party or something <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: maybe 14, 14 15
0: so what what up what type of music was was that
1: um i mean it was actually it, you know along the same lines it started becoming kind of like a a mix of post hardcore and whatever it was it was kind of all over the place, really, when I think about it. But it, it was coming from those influences, you know. But mm. we were still kind of learning what, what we were doing.
0: You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, what would you say was kind of your first sort of quote unquote kind of proper band that where you were actually sort of recording music, sort of going out on the road? When did that kind of start coming about?
1: Um, I mean, not too long after that, I had, I had some friends that we started a band with. Uh, in Miami, and you know we actually recorded, and uh, I think I still even have the, the two-inch tape from that. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, little. I think I was about 16. We had a band called Situation. Um, sort of a hardcore thing, but very influenced by like quicksand and and bands like you know Helmet and bands like that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, and that kind of went on in and out of different projects with those guys until, you know, I was probably 18. And then I really stopped playing uh, rock or music for a while and went more into the recording and production side of things
0: around then. So tell me through through sort of like growing up in in Miami. You said like there weren't sort of necessarily that many kind of touring bands coming through. But what was the, the general sort of music scene like when you were growing up?
1: Um, I mean, to me, when I was younger, it seemed great just because we, you know, there were a local show, a place called Washington Square that we used to go to a lot, and, uh, that Salt seemed like there was always something going on. Mm. Um, but I feel like Miami always kind of has that, has waves where, you know, it, it'll it kind of get good and then it'll fizzle out just because it's really tough for bands to make it out of there. Uh, just touring-wise, it's, you know, you got to... To start a tour, it's probably going to be a good 12-hour, 15-hour drive before <laughs> yeah. you get going, you know. And and then same again, bands don't really come down there because it's kind of all the way at the bottom, and you, if you're going to go all the way down there, you got to go all the way back out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, w- so kind of a bummer, but yeah, there's, there's been some good scenes there for sure.
0: So when you were kind of getting sort of a, a bit of a taste for, for playing shows live was there a sense of you knew that you needed to get out of Miami or was it just was that something that kind of came a little bit later on
1: yeah uh when I was like 20 I I started getting back into playing and uh a good friend of mine Mike Pereira he we started playing in a band together and we both realized that we just had to get the hell out of Miami finally and uh we kind of used college is an excuse to get out of there <laughs> yeah but you know so we we moved to boston and went to berkeley for a few, couple of years um and played in the band up there and, you know kind of kept it going
0: and if we move on to sort of where we're kind of oh with, we've with spotlights a little bit obviously yeah. i'll be re- remiss obviously not to mention that you obviously play in the band with your wife sarah right so from, from doing my research, you, the pair of you were in a band beforehand, but we were, were you married at that point?
1: Um, we were. Well, we were about halfway through, so we were okay. <laughs> <you know, laughs> dating or whatever.
0: <laughs> so so um, did you meet through that band?
1: Uh, no. So I met Sarah. We were, we were both living in San Diego at the time. I, I owned a recording studio there okay. for about eight years, and uh, she had moved there and were, her band at the time was looking for a place to record um and so they just showed up there and we became really good friends and we you know i recorded their album i think we did two records with them um and we were friends for three years before we you know really started dating or anything like that uh and yeah and then we that band broke up that she was in i was in a band that broke up we our friend mike hayden uh was kind of Starting Sleep Lady at the time, and we forced our way in there and, and made ourselves <laughs> yeah. part of it. And uh, and yeah, and that you know we were already kind of had a relationship going. So.
0: Okay, cool. And um, I, I want to quickly briefly touch upon obviously the the kind of recording side of things because sure. obviously I think a lot of people that I know that are kind of recording engineers they obviously are musicians as well. So right. do you find that obviously? being able to kind of be sort of like being in a band playing an instrument that that that's kind of aided you in sort of how you work as an engineer as well like that you're able to tune into what what people want and and for your bands as well like what the sound you want to go for
1: yeah yeah definitely both ways you know um i know people I mean, I've known engineers that don't really play in bands and you know barely play instruments, and they're incredible engineers. But I think for the most part, you really have to you have to kind of know what the other person's experiencing to, when to be able to kind of guide them and help them out in mm. any way. Um, and you know, trying to play multiple instruments I think is important even too, just so you, you can work with drummers and bass players and horn player, whatever you're, you know, whoever you're working with. Mm. Um, it definitely helps and then you know being a musician myself you know trying to set up the tones of your of your amp you know you do it so much in the studio and you really have the time to dial these things in that when it gets to a live setting it makes it easier to kind of on the fly hear something and adjust
0: yeah you mentioned obviously that you had the the studio in in San Diego, and obviously I know now you're you're based in in Brooklyn. So do you, do you have a studio I, there, or, or have you kind of taken a back seat from from being an engineer? Um, no,
1: I mean I don't do as much recording. I usually just mix uh, records for bands here, just because I I can do it at home. Yeah. Um, and I do work sometimes even out of our own rehearsal space. We have a little studio there, but uh, you know we'll
0: just freelance basically. Right. So okay. I'll go to the
1: studio and I'll go there and, and do the recording.
0: Cool. And um, and in terms of kind of spotlights, as you mentioned, both you and Sarah were were in another band and that kind of came to an end. So when right. when kind of spotlights was in its kind of infancy, uh, and I mean this in in a nice way, because the way that the music that you guys pres- like write kind of comes across, was it right. sort of was. The idea initially for a, a studio band, or was it always with the idea of it being a live band?
1: Um, I don't really know. We, it, I mean, I guess the very, very, very initial idea was just to write a song and record it right.
0: in the studio. You know, we had no idea of or no, you know, hopes of doing it live just yet or anything. And that was in San Diego, actually. Oh, okay. Um, while we were playing in Sleep Lady or it was right when sleep lady was starting actually
1: like 2009 um we just kind of messed around in the studio and, and wrote a song and we actually have it up on Bandcamp. um but we uh once sleep lady kind of started going we kind of completely forgot about spotlights until we <laughs> moved here <laughs> until we moved here and we were like you know we finally had the time to really get into it um so around 2014 we we started laying into it and Writing more songs, and then we really wanted to approach it as like a a band thing, right? Uh, You
0: know, and when you kind of came back to it in in 2014, was there kind of a a vision of of what you wanted it to sound like? Because I'll I'll get into it in a minute, but obviously the the records that you've released, every single one sounds completely different in my opinion um so good Good. (laughs) yeah but so so when you kind of went into those those, that early sort of phases did you go in with an idea or was it just a case of the two of you putting some sounds down and seeing how it formed
1: yeah I mean we really haven't had I don't think ever had like a preconceived notion of what we want um other than to try and make music that we both really like and want to would like to listen to you know like we we wish somebody was doing basically mm. um you know like our first
0: ep or demos or whatever the demonstration really just came together by like
1: messing around on the laptop and starting we started really with the electronic side of things and uh got some sounds we liked and then started adding drums and bass to it um whereas titles became more of like a full band thing and i I started playing guitar instead of drums and um live wise at least and so you know that took on more of like a, really just whatever came out but um and i think we still try and kind of keep it that way i don't really we don't want to like be tied down to any particular sound or say that we play this kind of music or
0: Mm. uh,
1: you know but i think everybody has their own influences and the two of us making music will probably have a thread
0: through all the albums that you know hold them together yeah and something that i wanted to ask as well before we kind of dive deep is i've seen several different descriptions of your sound as i say all the all the albums and records sound completely different but i've seen you described as doom sludge metal gaze wow. Uh, what was the other one that I thought was quite funny? There was a th- there was a third one that I thought was quite interesting. So <laughs> I want to get from the horse's mouth. How would you describe spotlights?
1: Um, man, I mean, I we we just described it as a rock band.
0: Honestly, a, <laughs> nice as and heavy, simple then. As a heavy rock band. Um,
1: the you know all the the doom gaze and and sludge gaze and all that stuff. I feel like those those titles just kind of go with the times and you know for a while everything was post now everything is gaze.
0: And,
1: <laughs> yeah you know uh but whatever if, if it fits into something that people that helps people kind of find it on online or whatever then it's helpful for us so. yeah of course so that's
0: good um <laughs> but yeah just heavy music rock. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and as I, as i mentioned like all of your recordings sound very different very fast but there's still that kind of Defying, uh, sorry, defining as kind of spotlights, as you say, thread that goes throughout it. So when you're, if I take titles as, a, as an example, because that was kind of my first introduction of you guys, That, that as you say, there's that kind of post rock sound going throughout it, but there's, there's parts of it where these, these big like crushing riffs. So is right. it a case of when you approach each record that, Whatever is influencing you at that time is what kind of pu- is put into the pot.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm sure that maybe not consciously, but that's hard to avoid. You know, whatever you're listening <laughs> yeah. to is going to creep in a little bit. Um, with titles like, if I listen to it, I hear, I, I hear, like I said, like everything that I've always wanted to do with the band is basically came to life in that record, just because. I always wanted to do something with kind of like a prettier side you know like the bit like bands like the cure that I grew up on and mixed with like the heavier bands that I liked, like helmet and bands like that mm. and and just you know instead of having one heavy song and then one pretty song I wanted it to be a, a sound itself you know um, and
0: yeah that, it wasn't necessarily a conscious thing but that's yeah. kind
1: of what I feel came out influence wise <laughs> yes. was from there
0: <laughs> and obviously we've we've discussed kind of like what your influences were when you were younger and you said that you wanted the, that kind of cure despeche mode sound to kind of come through but what sort of influences were, were Sarah bringing to the table
1: um, for Sarah I think we, I definitely hear like uh, a lot of the failure Influence and Melvins, which right. I think Melvin's is her favourite band Okay, cool.
0: Um, definitely
1: a lot of that, kind of like, especially with like the heavier bass tones and uh, all the distortion that she likes to use,
0: mm. you, can, you can hear that. And in terms of you two kind of writing together, and obviously being husband and wife as well, do you kind of, uh, do you take time to kind of set aside for for writing and music and spotlights and then separate time for family or does everything just kind of mesh together as one
1: (laughs) um i think it all kind of meshes together for the most part you know it's it's such a part of our lives that and it's really what we both love to do the most so whether we're either we're working or making music or touring um you know we'd always rather be touring since we're together and having the best time, you know, doing what we like to do, mm. uh, working there. Uh, but yeah, it's writing-wise, you know, we I think we've slowly figured out a process that really works, and I basically kind of demo the initial ideas, and then she'll kind of guide them through, and then we start adding our own instruments onto it, and, and uh, we really kind of finish the songs as demos completely, you know, so there's not a lot of sitting in a practice room with loud amps trying to figure a song out. Yeah. You know, once we get in the room, it's basically ready to go and we just have to tweak little things.
0: And in terms of kind of introducing Spotlights as a as a live band, obviously recording is a very sort of different beast and as you say, in those kind of infancies, it was you playing drums, recording guitars, Sarah doing bass right. and vocals and so on and so forth. So when you first sort of toyed with the idea of, of making Spotlights live, was yeah. it quite difficult in in transitioning how the sound transferred across? Um,
1: not, not, not too difficult. At, at first it kind of was because it was just Sarah and I and uh, we um, I was playing drums live initially Since there really wasn't too much guitar going on 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 those early songs, it was mostly like electronics and bass and vocals, so we were both singing, I was playing drums, she was playing bass,
0: Um, but I just didn't really feel comfortable doing that too much, Um,
1: so I started moving to guitar, and that's kind of what made titles sound like it did, because it was more the want to do things live differently. so in the studio we still kept it as a two piece and you know I'll, I recorded the drums on the records but uh, we got a drummer to play the parts live and that kind of made all the difference to just the sound you know came across much truer to what we wanted to do.
0: Mm. Yeah. And something else that you guys have have done a couple of times is kind of uh, put put a spotlight spin on well-known songs. so obviously you've you've covered a Mew song you've heard a a Cure song so is that something that I don't know it's just kind of a bit of a a pet project that you guys want to do and try because I think even though you can hear what the songs are they're very very different to the originals and also almost become a spotlight song in their own own right so is that just something that you guys like to play with It is is kind of putting your spin on something this, this old and well known
1: yeah definitely I mean I think you know a lot of people like to do that it's just fun to, to take a song you know I think as musicians we are music lovers so much as well that like there's, there's these songs that we've listened to forever and we love so much that it's fun to kind of take it and internalize it and put it back out and in a way that you would kind of write it you know what I mean yeah um, and it's always fun to not have to write the song <laughs> <laughs> yeah just uh, you know kind of make the make the music out of something that's already there so yeah no. I love it it's, it's a lot of
0: fun that's like one of the things so I'm in a in a little punk band over here in the UK and whenever we're in our little practice room the go-to song that we'll do is um, The Beautiful People by Marilyn Manson don't know why (laughs) but it's just it's just the the song that we always seem to to jam through but yeah Yeah. so I I can totally relate to that Um, yeah
1: I mean you you think about it like when you first start playing music that's that's kind of how you learn and you get together with your friends and you play songs that you uh, that you know and that you listen to and that you like you know so it's like at this point instead of just kind of jamming them which we like to do anyways but uh it's it's fun to kind of recreate them you know and i don't know it's
0: interesting <laughs> yeah. and something that that brought a lot of eyes to you guys was obviously the um the tour with with death towns and refused right. so so i know when that was kind of announced there was a lot of sort of people were kind of sort of interested in what you're sort of using software but i kind of want to get a almost retrospective look in sort of have have you kind of felt a knock-on effect since then that people are now kind of seeking you out a bit more a bit more interested in what you guys are doing or is that kind of outside of your bubble almost
1: (laughs) no i mean we definitely feel that you know we we pay attention to all that and uh try and uh stay in touch with it too but um Yeah, that was obviously a huge start, jump start, you know, head start, whatever you want to call it. Um, Because we were really nothing at that point. We had barely, I mean, we hadn't even really, we were barely had an album out. Mm. And, you know, I think it's been a slow kind of, Reaction to that—that that we're still feeling even from two years ago when that happened, we're still kind of getting new fans that were like, "Hey, I saw you with Deftones," and um, they're still—they're just kind of like seeking us out now that now that the word's getting out a little more. Yeah, um, they're kind of refinding us just because you know nobody had heard of us then.
0: Yeah, of course. So,
1: um, but yeah, it was it was awesome and definitely a huge help. And
0: in terms of a, a kind of a live performance, because. I don't, uh, I, I mean this again in, in the nicest term, but for a band that plays kind of that, that's a similar type of music that you do for for me personally, whenever I see either like a doom band or something like that, there needs to be kind of a, a visual element on stage as well. So is that something that you guys kind of think about or is it just, do you just kind of feel the, the energy of a room and kind of play off that? How How do you kind of approach playing as a live band? slowly kind of develop what we
1: what we feel like doing on stage but I mean I think we still keep it pretty bare bones and raw and like feed, we do definitely feed off, off the energy of the crowd you know that doesn't necessarily mean like they have to be going nuts <laughs> yeah. anything, but like the, you can you can definitely feel the energy of the room and if, if people want you there or they don't want you there or they don't care they, you know it, it always makes a difference but even so, at this point, we love being on stage so much that if there's two people there and and they sort of like it, then we'll we'll give it our all. Uh, you know it's it, we would love to have a little more of a visual element to things, but it's also tough just because uh, you know you'd have to hire people for that and it adds to the whole headache of, of doing things. so yeah.
0: So, so won't be seeing any kind of mosh calls from you and Sarah anytime soon, then.
1: <laughs> you never know.
0: <laughs> um,
1: You're kind of breaking up a little bit, Tim. I'm. Oh. Trying
0: to... Can you hear me now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. kind of in and out, a
0: tiny bit. Okay. It's a connection there. Okay. Cool. Okay. Um, I just want to obviously move on to, to the new record that you guys are bringing out as well. Um, hanging by faith again. Yeah. a kind of a, a, a removal for, from the last record but as i've mentioned still has that kind of spotlights thread so right what were you kind of <laughs> oh what were you kind of um <laughs> <that was cool. laughs> what were you kind of looking at when you kind of came into that album were, were there kind of any themes that you were looking at to to bring into it because again it it feels very different this time around again
1: yeah, I mean, I guess we, you know, there are remixes off of uh, our last record, Seismic, so it was kind of like a way to keep that record going uh, but completely
0: make it into a thing that, that where it can stand on its own, you know? It's mm. that, not
1: just like four remixes that you kind of, that that are separate from each other. It can play out as an album. Um, and I think basically the, the intent was to take electronic and kind of like the little synth hooks and things that happen in those songs and turn them into full songs on their own right you know? um and I, I mean i only did one of those the rest of them would be we kind of sent out for for other guys to do like Aaron harris and and boyd mains and chris Dirksen. they they just killed it like i literally just sent them the stems And what I got back is what's on there, so uh, it's pretty interesting. You know, kind of like when you were asking about the cover thing. I, I look at it as a similar thing. Yeah. Even even on a further level, where you're completely tearing the song apart, taking whatever element you think is important, and then you know doing whatever you want with that, basically. So you know, if you listen closely, you can hear the songs in there, but it's again just its own
0: its own thing. Mm. Well, that's kind of what I was going to, going to ask, because obviously, as you, as you mentioned with, with the covers, like, because your, your music kind of lends itself to be remixed. I'm not saying that everyone should go out and remix this spotlight <laughs> song, but is that something that, that up until this point that you'd kind of thought about, or was it just a case of timing that this felt right?
1: Um, no, yeah, we've definitely thought about it. Uh, even on our, Aaron Harris did another remix of uh, a song off titles on our spiders EP too.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, and I think that's something we'll continually do just have, have people do that just cause I, I don't know. I think it's always interesting to, to hear and it kind of gives people a different perspective on the songs themselves, you know?
0: And when you're kind of, cause obviously with, as you say, this is kind of remixes, but it sort of sits as its, its own album. And right. Do you kind of, uh, kind of go through... I don't know, it might be me being a bit presumptuous, but when you come to sort of releasing a record, do you kind of think about everything that, that surrounds it? Is it in terms of kind of... I know you're doing the, the release show and things like that. Is it just right. all part of the machine or is it just kind of... Do you put a lot of thought and effort into where you want to position spotlights because obviously as i mentioned with the whole deftones thing that brought a lot of eyes to you so so maybe do you put thought into where you want to go pushing forward or is it just a case of okay here's a release we need to promote it off (laughs) we go kind of thing
1: um i mean i think it's it's happening more and more you know like like i said with with the whole deftones thing we didn't really even know what we were trying to do at that point yet we just were putting a record out you know yeah uh, It was a very small label putting it out. We weren't really barely doing a little bit of PR for it. Um, But then Seismic, you know, we decided to to put out on Ipecac, which was great, like a big step up. And even that kind of came, the the timing was a little off from like when we toured with the Melvins. You know, we we did this long tour with them and then put an album out. so this now that we're a little more settled in things are running uh kind of at a, at a schedule i guess you for lack of a better word
0: yeah um,
1: yeah we're definitely putting more thought into like uh, you know what just aligning things so it makes sense so <laughs> yeah. definitely yeah.
0: and because <laughs> obviously the way that that your music kind of stands as a as I keep harping on it each album is very different and progressive. do you kind of set yourself goals as to where you want the band to to be in terms of kind of who you're touring with what you kind of want the next album to be, or again is it just a a very sort of natural instinct on how things have have been progressing over the years um I think we
1: still try to keep it as natural as possible yeah i uh Obviously, you know, with, with tours and things like, it's it's tough because you never really know. Um, we've been incredibly lucky with the tours that we've gotten, mm. and you know, touring with bands that we've loved for decades at this point. Um, so obviously, you know, keeping on on good tours would be great. But yeah, we with the with the writing of the music and whatnot, just kind of you know, it's not like we're to be in a specific point or anything we're just kind of keeping it keeping it going and working as hard as we can touring as much as we can um, You
0: know, trying to be happy doing it <laughs> yeah perfect <laughs> um, Mario how I like to, to end the show is kind of ask my guests um, what their favourite song is but with a little bit of a twist so what is your okay. favourite spotlight song that you like to play live and why <laughs> um. Hmm. Let's see.
1: I mean, I think I'd have to say I have a couple that I really like to play, but I I think still one of my favorites to play live is Walls. Which yeah. is the, the first song off titles. Yeah.
0: Any particular reason?
1: There's a. Um. I mean, I, I there's something about the uh, I guess the ending of that song that just always kind of gives me what, what I you know that feeling of like why we do this yeah <laughs> you know perfect um, yeah I would have to say that's, that's one of those
0: <laughs> perfect brilliant Mario thank you very much for your time uh, for taking out some Tim. of your sa- Saturday afternoon really appreciate it no problem thanks for perfect. having me perfect take them. care alright cheers bye 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 so there we have it folks thanks again to mario for taking out some time of his day to have a chat with me uh spotlights will actually be hitting the road uh with uh the life and times uh from october 17th to october 25th uh over in the states uh so i'll put all the tour dates and tickets links whatever in the description of this podcast um, and as always you can keep up to date with what the band are doing on various social media platforms which once again links will be put in the description uh speaking of social media we're now on instagram um so you can kind of see what i'm doing i just keep saying we it's me isn't it um behind the scenes of of the podcast what shows i'm going to what dogs i find are cute just, just i'm just going to post other stuff but yeah just another means of sort of i guess bringing a human element to to this show um so yeah if you go onto instagram search just underscore and underscore insight uh i will put the link obviously in the description of the podcast as well but you can go follow us and see all that sort of shit as well um but yeah for now everyone we're going to leave it at that thank you again for stopping by the justin insight podcast and i will see you soon